to the Power of Five podcast with Glenn Blakeney. Join us for revelatory teaching as well as riveting discussions and guest interviews on all things fivefold ministry. Hey, welcome to the Power of Five podcast. Glenn Blakeney here, and today we continue the interview with Paul Tothill. We've been talking about the kingdom of God and what it means to really walk in that place of intimacy with the Father, demonstrating the kingdom, because from that place of truly knowing God, our identity emerges, and from our identity, we serve others and extend the kingdom. This is an amazing interview. If you missed the first part, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. God bless. And, you know, it's so true. When you go back and you take a a look at Adam and Eve in the garden, what were they experiencing, right? I mean, obviously, that intimate uh, relationship, you said experiential knowledge, yadar, ginosko in Greek. And Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, they may ginosko you, experiential. Uh, so, So salvation, eternal life is being reconciled to knowing God the Father, right? 100%. So we've been reconciled back to the Father. So that relationship from God's point of view is finished. We're the ones that drift in and out of that through various reasons. But the key is to say, Jesus, John 17, that high priestly prayer is to say, I've given them the same glory. Yes. Now you think about that so that they may be one. Yeah. And so there's this oneness in God the Father that produces oneness in the body. It's a natural overflow of oneness in the spirit. that has a manifest reality. So if we go back to relationship, what does relationship define? Well, Paul speaks about this thing called the spirit of adoption, Mm. which is the witness of the Holy Spirit to say you're no longer orphans, you're no longer outsiders, you're family and you're royalty. You are priest kings. Mm. Yeah. Everyone has the ability now, Hebrews says, through the blood of Jesus to enter in to the true heavenly sanctuary. So we're in a new priesthood. We're in the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek, no longer under a priesthood of Aaron. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the inferior has given away to the superior. Mm-hmm. And what I say to people all the time is through this relational connection and through this, this, this connection and, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, the manifest presence of God dwelling in us and the new life, the divine nature of God now in us, it's a stewardship and a development that we have to live from that reality and causing it to manifest by faith, which causes our growth and spiritual formation. Why is that important? Because spiritual authority is linked with spiritual formation. Uh-huh. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, there's so much there that's so deep. Um, yeah. And yet it's so fundamental to so fundamental. everything. Yeah. Yeah. If we, and we have gotten this wrong. You know, for example, you know, we, we see people that are, well, we, we, you, I, I get asked this, will you come to our church and teach us the prophetic or, or, you know, how about training and equipping our people to send them out and do ministry on the streets and win people to Jesus? Certainly there's value in the prophetic. We need the prophetic. We, we should be active in, in going out and bringing people to Christ, but also often, the that which is really a segment of of what we're called to do in terms of the great commission and and stewarding 
really the tools we need to get the job done, the gifts of the spirit, yeah. um, is tied and linked to seeing people restored to that kingdom reality and kingdom resonance even. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, in my experience over 15 years of, of, of leading uh, beautiful people is that we live in a fallen world and the idea of being in intimate relationship is difficult for us to grasp. Yeah. One, we've had really difficult relationships. Most people, when you talk yeah. about the father heart of God, they might have had an experience that, that gets projected into that conversation. Well, my father wasn't very this and my father wasn't that. And right. what we see is the strategy of, of love wounds are, are trading flaws in the realm of the spirit. I don't, it's pretty deep, but. We see that we, we see the strategy of the enemy is to bruise generations in the heart, mm. to bruise relationships between fathers and children, parents and children. We see the separation of that out. Mm. We see um, relationship generally in the church being problematic because we carry trauma, we carry all sorts of things that are hidden in us, which we think are normal. Right. And that's where Isaiah 61 comes in. And this is the amazing thing. When Jesus picks up his missional mantle, when he sits down after he's empowered by the Holy Spirit and he reads from Isaiah 61, he's anticipating the power of the gospel and the anointing that he carries is to be able to heal and liberate people in emotional, spiritual, physical bondage through the announcing of the kingdom to begin into a divine exchange for they would then themselves become they who liberate others, not only for their sake, but for the sake of their family, for the sake of a region and for the sake of the destiny of a city. So this idea that we can have a breakdown at the most fundamental level of a separation between God and believer, even when you're saved, because you have a love unresolved love wound, of your heart. In other words, you think you're in shame, you're in bondage, you think you're never good enough, and how can God love you unconditionally? Well, my news to every listener is for God not to love you unconditionally mm. is for him to deny his very self. Mm. You see, this is the radical story. This is the radical story of Calvary that it's for love's sake that God brings all of humanity out of the bondage of fallenness, out of the bondage and the imprisonment of emotional trauma and disconnection, failure of relationships. And the first relationship that has failed and been lost is that between humanity and God. Yeah. And that then sets in order all of the flow of the kingdom. It sets in order everything in life. And when that is gets set right, then we come back into divine apostolic order. And so Paul says there's a spirit, the spirit witnesses to your spirit that you're adopted into the kingdom realm of God. You, you, you are divine royalty living in a fallen world. And that should bring humility and faith to us and such hope to us that we go, oh, my goodness, I've never seen myself like that. Because then relationship reestablishes identity. Yes. Identity yeah. establishes purpose. So you can see that the breaking of the relationship fractures identity. Absolutely. Fractured identity breaks our true vocation and purpose and mission into the world. 
Yeah, uh, very brilliant, Paul. And I teach that uh, often. In fact, on on our ministry, our school of ministry website, we call three pillars uh, of the foundation, Christ, obviously, but the pillars being intimacy, identity, and then our purpose or our destiny yeah. in the yeah. world. And I love I love the Gospel of John. It's and and when we read the Gospel of John and we see this one, the Word who became flesh the Lagos who came to represent, to be the embodiment that more than the message, you know, but yeah. um, he, he came to embody who God is. Yeah. And, and when we see John, this one uh, who's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, yeah. I believe it's seven times in the gospel of John, it says that. Yeah. And the yeah. final time is in the 21st chapter where he has his head on Jesus' breast. Mm-hmm. And and can you imagine, guys, like putting your head on Jesus' breast and hearing the heartbeat of the Son of God? And yet I believe what has happened here in, in John's transformation as a son of thunder to the disciple whom Jesus loved. Again, let's just make it clear. He has written this gospel, and he's referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm, I'm the yeah. father, you know, his favorite yeah. or whatever. And, yeah. and the revelation here that just, in you know, just overwhelmed him and consumed him to the point that that he knew that I'm loved by Jesus, and it was his intimacy with yeah. him, the time he spent with him, resulting in that unfolding, that revelation knowledge of of how valued he was, how loved he was. And, yeah. and that's so important that we get that right, and it has to happen in that order, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. And I think once we get, once we understand that protocol, that God has to restore first things first. Hmm. And when you put first things first, everything flows in natural progression from that because there is an architecture, there is a, a flow that that God is a God of order. And I'll give you an example. When when Nakash, the, the Satan, leaves his estate to come, to, to come from around the throne into the garden, mm-hmm. he creates disorder and there's, there's a violence of his trade. Whenever we see disorder, we see sin. Sin produces disorder. But what righteousness produces, and, and often we focus on morality, and there's a measure of that. But first of all, righteousness is right standing and right order. Things come back into the right order of things. So a lot of, a lot of the reality is that if, if, if our history can keep us separated from our future, mm-hmm. then we don't come into it. That's Psalm 139. So God goes ahead of us to prepare a future prepare a way. Then he comes behind us, wraps himself around us, the omnipresence of God. That's what David's talking about. But it's more than that. He says, I'll deal with your past right. yeah, awesome. so that it will never limit you coming into your future. Mm. Every thought, I ha- I'm going to work everything together for good. Yeah. And that doesn't mean everything is, is hunky-dory and everything goes smoothly. That's not what he's saying. Right. He's saying no matter what context you're in. I'm always moving towards you to bring you in to spiritual formation, spiritual maturity, to fulfill everything I've written concerning you. And when you do that in company with others, the kingdom will naturally manifest in and around your life. Yeah. Yeah. So good. And and it's Romans 8, 28 and 29 has to be linked together. 
you yeah. know, all things work together for good. Those who love God called according to his purpose. But yeah. next verse explains it all. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of the likeness of the son. That he yeah. might be the firstborn among many brethren. So how do things, all things work together for our good? We become like Christ. Yeah. Uh, and and I really think, you know, for example, I've, there's been an emphasis on uh, in, in the apostolic uh, that we're called to equip the saints, and basically we need to help people to discover their uh, destiny, their purpose. And oh, you're called to do this. This is you know your your niche, your your sweet spot. Your this is you know the metron in which you serve, and it's all about just getting people to you know the used to be take a spiritual gift test and then and then throw <laughs> them out there. <laughs> yeah, but the big part the the big piece about uh well intimacy and identity is also clearly uh embedded in in that passage in ephesians 4 and yet we miss that and and there's been so many who call themselves apostles and they talk about well we're equipping people uh and basically we're sending them out into the marketplace to do whatever it is but it's clearly much more than that so what what is that Going back to what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 11, 4, 12. First of all, you need 4, 11 to satisfy 4, 12. Right. You need those graces operating within the church. So if those graces are not now operating as some hold to, it's an equipping grace for the benefit of the body, not for the 4, 11 gift yes. person. It, it, the grace is a serving role for the benefit of others. Yeah. And therefore, there's an authority that is given for the benefit of others to bring them up into maturity. And the first thing to reach the full stature of Christ. The moral imperative of everything we're building by way of architecture is that Christ is formed, that spiritual formation takes place. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because you can have all the gifts in the world, but spiritual authority is carried in the heart. Mm -hmm. And maturity and authority are linked to Jesus. So he was he was a huios son when he ministered at the age of 30. He didn't start his ministry as a technon. He had to grow in the stature yeah. and reputation with both God and man. That's a stunning statement to me. Mm. Emmanuel, God on earth, fully human, fully God, perfect humanity, born from above, filled with the Holy Spirit, had to learn how to honor his mother and father, live in the world, take on a trade, be used to the customs of a fallen world and reality, but come to spiritual formation and maturity Hmm. so that at the age of 30, the age of inheritance in Jewish culture, he could become the first against many brothers and commence a work that which he would be the prototype for many like him who would be born of him. See, we're born from above, so we've got to disengage from this idea that we're continuing to be sinners of the old man. If we keep that thinking, then we're not moving from heaven to earth. Now, on earth, in my humanity operating through my flesh, can I still sin? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. God, Hebrews clearly says that I'm perfect before God. Mm -hmm. That's how he sees me in Christ spiritually, whilst I'm being made perfect before man. What's the answer? I have to reorientate the source from where I live, and that's that relational connection back with the Father. I live from the Father. I live from everything that Jesus has established into that which is lacking. I don't live from that which is lacking into that which is full. I live from that which I already have into. That's a heaven-to-earth flow. Mm-hmm. In heaven, I already am. Yeah, powerful. It, this is hard, so hard for us to get out here, and it, it mm-hmm. almost sounds heretical to people, but you've you got to go back to Adam. Adam 
could interface with spiritual dimensions and realms in the revelatory realm of God to hear the councils of God from the council of God. Now, that's deep, but mm. that's, that's the reality because there is a royal priesthood on earth, which are the sons of God on earth, but there were Elohim, sons mm. of God in the divine council, Psalm 82. Right. Those sons of God, some of which became the gods over nations, and that's a whole nother narrative. But the important thing to see is we've got to start to see ourselves how God sees us, mm-hmm. because otherwise we nullify the power of the cross. The Power of Five podcast will be right back after this short break. Hey guys, Glenn Blakeney here, and thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Power of Five podcast. I wanted to mention to you that we have a monthly Zoom session where we bring on a special guest and we teach and equip you on all things pertaining to the fivefold. We delve in much deeper than what we're able to do in the podcast. We actually help you develop strategies and resources so you're able to lead with the Power of Five. If you're interested in being part of this, it's absolutely free of charge. All you have to do is click on the link to join our email list in the show notes. God bless you guys. Now, back to the Power of Five podcast. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, the sad reality is that uh, many haven't even tried to scratch the surface on this. And we're living from the in, from the earthly dimension, not just in the earthly dimension. Um, born from above, as Jesus said, does not say born again in the original. It says born from above, a spirit realm, yeah. and meaning we're spiritual beings and we have a human body, physical body, obviously. Yeah. And, and here we are on the earth and we are um, part of a kingdom. Kingdom, we're to see the kingdom borders expand, extend, so that, as Jesus said, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, in order to understand that, as you said, it's part of this meta narrative going back yeah. to Genesis. Yeah. There's architecture, can I say, in my understanding from scholars, is the way Jesus develops that prayer is taking the Amada and other whole lot of uh, prayers of benediction and practices. They would, mm-hmm. the Jews would practice three times a day. When, for, I'll give you an example. When Jesus gave thanks for the miracle uh, of feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, it was part of the benediction, the Amada that they would pray. He was simply saying, you can't pray one way and live another. <laughs> it's a pretty important principle. Yeah. Otherwise, you become a practical atheist yeah. whilst you're a believer. So, so it's illegal in the kingdom to pray one way and live another. Yeah. The way you live is the way you pray. There's a faith expectation sure. that your prayers are heard. So the Shema, oh, hear my, oh, Lord, hear my prayer, is not a begging. It's I know you hear my prayer. Right. So our yeah. Father, who are, it, it first of all exalts who God is as the creator God over all things. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good place to start a prayer from. Yes, amen. When you start from the bigness and the expanse and and the the sheer nature of God, the impossible becomes possible in the realm of faith. So he we properly orientate ourselves sure. to the unseen realm, to who God is, to who he really is, and magnify his name. And when you start to magnify his name, you magnify the realm of what he's doing into your prayer life. And then 
then then it's a your kingdom come on earth as it already is in heaven. We and this is the flow of faith. This is the apostolic prophetic foundation. We're taking that which is from the unseen realm and causing it to manifest in us, mm-hmm. so that it can manifest through us into the seen realm. Paul draws on this in Ephesians, where he said, "Every blessing and every promise is where in the heavenly realm." So we have right of access legally by faith because we are sons, but also through the blood of Jesus to lay hold of that and bring it into this realm in increasing measure. So the more you develop intimacy with God, the more you take on the nature of his thinking and his ways, and the more you take on his faith. Mm. Faith comes from the hearing. It's an action of the spirit found in intimacy with the word. So there's a clear flow there for my thinking. Right. Yeah. And as you mentioned in John 17, I believe it's verse 22, where he said, you know, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they might be one in us. Yeah. Uh, it isn't as some people I've heard people say it. Oh, we that the church would become one. That's not what Jesus prayed. He didn't pray for mm-hmm. us to come become one. In other words, some type of ecumenicalism. Um, but he prayed for a spiritual oneness that with the Trinity. It, the whole idea is that every believer, once you're born again, you are in Christ. We're all in Christ. Therefore, we have the same source. We have the same origin. Mm-hmm. of whatever God needs to do to release in us and through us and around us. Mm-hmm. It's the source of where we – so Genesis is an idea of not beginnings but origins. True origin creates true order. If we flow from heaven to earth, we bring, start to bring things back into order. When there's disorder, that's when we have calamity, we have strife, we have jealousy, we have all those things. That's the flesh. That's fallenness operating. But, but there's a bond of peace that the spirit produces is a, a government of peace that produces a bond. Of, and this is again, John 14, John really brings all of this out. John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17. If you read it together, it starts as a suffering servant. It says, I'm going to show you the key to how this all rolls. I'm going to give you the architecture of what I'm doing and bring forward the kingdom. First of all, start as a servant, mm. lift people up, walk with humility. I can't overstate that. Walk with humility. Humility sees you see yourself in the eyes of the Father. You see who you really are before him. Mm-hmm. That, for me, is real humility. I start to see myself how God sees me. Yes. You know, that can't produce arrogance. No, no. Because you know it's fully by grace. Right. Absolutely. That produces humility, and that produces a servant heart so that I, I rule as a servant, but I serve with the heart of a king. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Bill Johnson says that, and I think it's a great posturing that we can we can move on. And then John 13, he progresses. Jesus just unfolds this teaching until ultimately John 17. And, and I think it's worth studying richly, and I think there's architecture there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And thank you for touching on the point that, you know, we are um, – Yes, we have the we can sin. We 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 can choose and and we do sin, but by virtue of who we are in Christ, you know, we're partakers of the divine nature. His seed is in us, and and so on. And and so, where are you at now, Paul? I know you've recently made a transition after pastoring 
um, gateway in in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. You're now doing something new uh, and fresh. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I, I, I'm privileged to have led a group of people in Adelaide for so long, and I think they've taught me more than I've taught them. So that's the first thing. I've learned a lot about myself and leadership and uh, and people and how to bring forward this message. But I really just feel that there's a shift in the spirit. And, um, and I don't mean this rudely or divisively, but I do think there is something of a calling out and a bit of a holy separation taking place. Right. Um, I, I really do believe that the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm deadly serious about building my church how I want to build my church. That was what the Lord said to me in 2007. He said, basically, take your hands off and let me build it. You ride with me, but I will build it. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel that unction again. I, I, I really do feel that, that Jesus wants to build his church to liberate and to empower and to bring forward an authority in the church as an ecclesia, as a legislating body from heaven to earth that we have not yet experienced, yet the early church did. Hmm. Um, and, and there's something of that that's resonating with me. And I, and I just wanted to come back to the simplicity of equipping believers coming into Ephesians 4.11, 4.12, which we've spoken about, but fulfilling Isaiah 61, which is what I also spoke about, and Matthew 28.18. I really do think it's time for the church to be mobilised, um, for believers to, to come in uh, to that drawing desire to come into spiritual maturity uh, and to fulfil their vocation. To, to, to reveal Jesus to the world. And I think it looks a little bit different than what we've perhaps been used to. I think it's far more organic. Um, and, and I think given the tensions that are emerging with the way we can meet, the restrictions on freedoms that's happening all around the world, yeah. there is uh, an adversity which will probably force us to, to rebuild in apostolic hubs and groups um, where we, we still have the main meeting. I'm not against that at all. I'm all for that. But we're a bit more intentional, a bit more purpose uh, orientated, relationally connected. Re- you know, part of my heart is to get people established back in the depth of relationship and the freedom that brings and empowerment that brings of living in Christ. Mm-hmm. That was Paul's central apostolic theme that um, I'm not sure that we we fully grasp, and I'm not sure I fully grasp, but something I think we can explore to a greater depth. That, for all the reasons we've already had, I think will reorientate us to understanding our true identity, our true purpose, and a grace that's available in our weakness to be powerful into dark, difficult situations. Amen. Nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Yeah, that's in- incredible. Awesome. You know, going back to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, we have the ascension gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And then there's clearly a reference to each one of us making a contribution. In other words, as Paul uses the analogy that we're just a piece of the body, we're the anatomy, but mm. he has a body. So there's this work that God is doing to bring together and reconnect his yeah. body. And certainly in COVID-19, that's been disrupted and we've been scattered. And prophetically, I believe we're in a time similar to what you see in Ezekiel 37, where there's this valley of dry bones and the new living actually says they were scattered. So very dry, very many. So you've got the the quantity is very many and the quality is very dry. And that's Mm -hmm. where many people are at right now spiritually. And we need revival. 
Uh, but then there's this coming together and becoming, you know, truly a body rather than just individuals who are uh, operating autonomously. Yeah, I, I, I think we're better together. That's a, if you know me, that's a common phrase I, I, I use. And, and another phrase I use is big vision, small steps. Um, so we've got to take the small steps towards the bigger vision. We're better together. You know, I think we're in times of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a vision and be rebuilt a wall. Though that wall wasn't pristine, it was broken pieces of the wall that were rebuilt to surround a city that the gates of the city would bring salvation to the city. I actually believe God is not just about restoration of the individual. I believe he's about restoration of families, spirit of Elijah. I think he's about restoration of regions, cities and nations. And we're in a tipping point. And where the church postures itself in this hour will decide what happens in the next generations. We are coming to a complete tipping point in the spirit. We're in a high season right now. Uh, We know that dark powers operate during this high season of the spirit as well. These are the convocations of God. These are the the realms. And, and, And I believe there's an invitation. I believe there's an invitation for the hungry. God is stirring hearts again to say, is this really what you signed up for? Because there's more. And that more is him. The more first and foremost is knowing him. I believe that's the revival that we need. That's the spirit of Elijah. He would come and restore the hearts. And I believe there are fractured, broken people hurting in the world. And we're meant to reach them with Jesus. That's we'll see the great harvest. Hey there, guys. Glenn Blakeney here. And I want to thank you personally for being a faithful listener or subscriber to the Power of Five podcast. Really appreciate you guys getting the word out and letting others know. We are in a season of reformation. God is restoring the fivefold. And it's so important that this message is disseminated to the nations of the earth. Please join our online community. You can do so by accessing that information in the show notes. Also, would you visit kingdomcommunity.tv to see all of the resources we have available on the Kingdom Community Television Network. It's available in multiple languages. Amazing Kingdom content. Guys, would you consider becoming a monthly partner with us? Just head over to awakenations.org forward slash donate and sign up today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Power of Five podcast. Be sure to visit kingdomcommunity.global to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our awesome bonus content. See you next time on the Power of Five.